So welcome to another episode of These Are Not The Apps You're Looking For. I'm James. And I'm Jay. And today we're going to be looking at digital leaders, the whole thing around that, and also looking at iPassports. Welcome to the LearnMaker Podcast. These are not the apps you're looking for. A in-depth series exploring how teachers can improve learning with technology. The easiest place to start with is, uh, so what are digital leaders? Uh, what's your idea of them, James? Okay, um, so my kind of take on this, and there's, there's loads of things out there, but digital leaders for me are students that have been given some responsibility and have some sort of inclination or enthusiasm for technology. They help classrooms, they help teachers, they help support assistants, you know, those kind of things. Um, yeah, and basically kind of lead the project from the student's point of view. Yeah, so these are these digital leaders are, are useful on iPad projects, for example, aren't they? So yeah. schools everywhere get an iPad. Um, teachers may struggle with getting to grips with new technology, and you may have thirty experts in the class in the form of the students in front of you. So how do you take them through the process of of uh, implementing a digital leader scheme? How do you select them, uh, and what sort of responsibilities do you think they, those guys should have? Um, I'd, I'd probably do it the same as how you do it with the student council. So imagine a student council for geeks, yeah. um, and, and pretty much that's how you do it. So again, it's a, an elected type thing. Students would nominate themselves or have been nominated. There'd be some sort of vote either in the you know, student body or whatever that vote them in. Um, and then I would have some form of sort of training that goes alongside the teachers. So again, with your iPad project, you're probably going to have um, a training plan with your teachers. I'd involve the students in that as well. Something along those lines. Yeah, so this thing works equally well in primary and secondary schools? Yeah, I'd say so. I think you probably struggle sort of early years, um, you know, I don't, I don't know whether that would work, but certainly, you know, we've seen it sort of year five and six um, in the top end of the school that are looking to sort of get stuff onto their um, record of achievement and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, and then, and then freeing, especially in primary schools, then freeing those students up to actually go around to other, other classes or maybe having one or two in each class or, you know, from years two upwards. Okay, excellent. Yeah, so I think one of the key points is that you've got to have a few in the class and this can really help get teachers out of the mindset of they've got to fix every problem learning in the class. It gets them away from that troubleshooting aspect, doesn't it? Because some of those responsibilities can assign to the digital leaders in the classroom. So we need to have a number in each class. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd, I'd say that the, the kind of mind shift change for staff is... is being prepared or being happy to have students actually help you out. Yeah. Um, certainly in secondary where you've got students that are really au okay with tech and some members of staff that maybe aren't, you know, there's, there's kids actually sat in those classes that are dying to help. Oh, yeah. um, and then this gives them the ideal opportunity to do it. So it's, it's that kind of, it's like a two-way thing of, the, you know, teachers have to be aware that these students aren't going to be taking over the classroom, but they're there to help. And in most cases, or in fact all the cases that I've seen, you know, where you've got that kind of, thing where um, staff can call upon students in the lesson it's really good for you know for both parties really yeah I suppose it's peer-to-peer sport as well isn't it so yeah. hitting hit criteria like that uh, and it may be a way to involve students who are, are not sort of academically minded into yeah. the lessons bring them into the fold of learning yeah I, I think so and I, I think the other thing with with that is that you know you've, you've got students then that are helping out in class that may not necessarily be helping out normally yeah. um, you know and again as I said there's, there's students in that class that are probably staying quiet and just going oh I wish I could do this and it just gives them the, those opportunities yeah I think it's great yeah it's good 
So what sort of process should we put in place to, to appoint digital leaders? Should we have teachers just pick their, the kids that, who think they're most able or should we have the best behaved ones? Yeah, I, I think the, the, the temptation, isn't it, is, and certainly when, when I've done this in the past, the temptation is to do almost like um, uh, a head of year, you know, you know when you have like head boy, head girl type yeah. votes and then the students vote and then the staff vote. The temptation is to do that kind of thing. I think really that it should be a kind of almost like a Dragon's Den style or apprentice style interview process okay. where, you know, they put forward why they want to do it. That then goes to a panel, but that panel doesn't necessarily have to be teachers. It could be a mix of teachers uh, and other students, you know, elected members of the school yeah. council. Good old-fashioned book system. Yep. Yeah, something along those lines. Um, I mean, there's, there's hundreds of ways to cut it, isn't there? Yeah. Um, it, it could even be that, you know, that we need... We're going to discuss the iPassport bit a bit later, but it could even link into that, that students are qualified for that first or, are, you know, top of the class or whatever or enthusiastic about it. Yeah. You know, yeah. do it a hundred ways. Yeah. So, having looked at a few things in, in the class, uh, how can the digital leader support teachers and, and the project as a whole, you know, outside of lesson times? Um, we've seen some schools use, like, a genius bar concept. Yeah, okay. So, that's a, yeah, that's a good one. Um before we get into that, really, I think the other thing that we haven't touched on is the fact that students can actually help be technicians as well. Now, I, I originally started out in a, in a small rural school in Lincolnshire, and they only had one technician. And, of course, the technician is going around fault-finding constantly mm -hmm. um, and isn't freed up to do the actual important things. So where the genius bar and the digital leader stuff comes in is that those students can actually have some responsibility or be linked to the tech support guys as well. Yeah. So in a lesson, as, a, as an example, you know, if the projector, if the lead comes out of the projector um, and the member of staff doesn't know or is struggling, then the digital leader or, you know, the, the genius can come up and actually get that sorted. Okay. Um, That's good. Yeah. Um, so going back to um, the genius bar stuff, so the idea behind that is it's taken from um, Apple stores where you have people who are highly trained in particular areas um, and then basically those students are available at lunches, breaks, after schools, early mornings for anybody to drop in. Um, so you'd probably have like a designated area in say like the reception area or the canteen um, or out in the yard or whatever where people can take their problems and then students are then qualified to then sort that out. Where it works really well is where you have staff and students going to those things. Yeah. Um, and certainly we've seen that in the schools we've worked with is, you know, those kind of things. When when the idea takes off and gets embedded, it's absolutely fantastic yeah. for sort of helping out. Okay, yeah, so run a little stall at lunch times and breaks, yeah. have a genius bar, a couple of the digital leaders on there, and presumably like a head digital leader sort of organised and managing it so teachers, again, don't have to get involved so much? Yeah, I think you've got to have some sort of structure. Um, and again, the temptation is to go, you know, sort of senior school or upper school are the most senior. But actually, you'll probably find, especially when we've done sort of project-based learning things in the past, is actually the younger students are more au fait. Mm -hmm. um, so again, I think it's more kind of ability rather than age. And again, that, that kind of leads into other things that can then root through the, root through the school. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, the, the other the other thing is almost looking at what we've seen before is um, sort of like the McDonald's approach to awards, where they have like a badge or a star system, or yeah. they get those little pin badges with different kind of app logos on yeah. them. You know, so that the genius is an explain everything geek, and they have a little badge on that. I think you know that kind of thing. You, you could go to the nth degree of making it awesome. Yeah, um, and that's probably a point that a lot of schools don't touch on, isn't it? About how the students can actually help benefit the curriculum and the workflow yeah yeah so yeah, they can totally. go out and then the students and the groups can 
go away, find new apps of new ways to do things, and then feed that back into the, the teaching body as well. So yeah, yeah. And again, I think that's where that's where this is is key is is seeing the potential of that kind of stuff. You know, having students that are part of that sort of initial phase of the iPad rollout. So that again, you know, schools typically push them out into box sets and they go out into classes and then the teachers get a copy, you know, get a, an iPad. But actually if you've got the geniuses that are taking theirs home and they've got part of that responsibility of going to staff meetings and stuff, mm-hmm. um, I think that could be pretty awesome. Or well, it is, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, and I think that's a good way for the project leader as well. Because in most schools you've got one person who leads the project, usually a deputy head or sort of digital pedagogy champion in, in secondary schools or an ICT coordinator in, in primary. And when the project gets up and running, you know, when, when problems or challenges occur, when teachers have got questions, they'll go to that person. Yeah, yeah. So suppose if we've got a digital leader program in place and those questions are put into that work group, then it gives a chance for the you know the project leader to, to sort of stay out of that, you know, keep their eyes on the prize and, and focus on the strategy and the vision of the school. Yeah, yeah. But then it also gives the digital leaders something to really work towards. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's that's a good point, actually, is, you know, when, when we've... Um Worked in school. Well, one particular school comes to mind where you know one member of staff was being constantly lent on, um, and had a TLR. You know, was responsible as well. So it was a really busy member of staff, and you know was very keen, and enthusiastic. Was getting sort of not bogged down, but kind of distracted by a whole load of really simple questions, but yeah. loads of them. Um, you know, if, if there was a digital leader team put in place for that, or a genius group that were put in place for that they could easily have resolved you know most of those problems and then yeah. all that time definitely um, so I think a good way to do that would be to do it virtually as well with Netflix something like Edmodo so yeah, yeah. there's an open forum community you know Edmodo's pretty much free um, and yeah accessible for any schools and safe for the students to, to be in as well so that would be quite an easy um sort of route for teachers to ask questions for the students rather than having to find them in person and also a good collaborative tool for students to work together outside of the class yeah yeah I mean Edmodo's one iTunes U you know if, you, if schools are going sec- secondaries more I'd say you know those kind of things you could set up a discussion thread within that that's really easy to do really quick um, and then you, you know you can keep tabs on the students keep tabs on the questions because again the, the the kind of worry is well you know if we're, we're getting students ask, answering questions at all times is that going to impede on their life at home all that kind of stuff yeah um, yeah if you've got a system in place that ma- man- you know manages or monitors those questions I think that's pretty cool yeah that's good yeah okay should we wrap it up there and yeah okay we'll um, yeah do play some music and whatever and then we'll get on to uh, iPassports in the next bit okay that's cool Right then, okay, so next section then is um, iPassports. Um, so this is a cool concept, isn't it, from um, a school we met over a year ago um, in Stafford called Abbott Bain. So their project leader, Gavin, um, his idea was to ensure the students went through a number of competencies, so they were trained up on sort of e-safety, um, social media use, acceptable user policies and those sorts of things Yeah. Um, over a two-week period. And only when they completed all those modules were the students allowed to take those devices home. So it was year seven and year eight students as well, was it? Uh, yeah, it was year, year sevens. I think they're running year, year eights out. Uh, no, yeah, year eights have gone through this year or going through this year. So September when they go back, they're going to be doing like a, an evolved version of that. And then year sevens are in sort of okay. version one. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was a really good one, actually. So the, the iPassport principle is essentially that 
students are given two weeks at the, the beginning of term, two or three weeks or even a term, mm-hmm. um, to complete basic competencies in iPad use. Yeah. And then the idea behind that is that then parents, the, school, the three parties, the parents, the students and the school are all involved within that so that at any point after that, they're all at the, they, they all know what's going on. Um, so, you know, parents will be given a brief e-safety kind of overview to know how those devices are going to be used at home. Yeah. The students are shown key workflows that are going to be used for the rest of their sort of student lives with the devices um, and given sort of basic training in the apps. And then they're given a whole e-safety course. The, the curriculum is designed and developed around that. Yeah, it's all like kind of one package just to make sure that the devices are used properly in school, yeah. which I think is one of the, the, the key things that's missed out um, when devices like this are put into the classroom is, you know, stu- the, 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 the student and the parent engagement is often kind of left to one side. Well, it's Lion's responsibility as well, isn't it? So one of the big things schools are worried about is, is the safety challenge. So what happens when the devices are outside of schools? The parents worry about what the children are doing in school with the devices because a lot see it as a distraction because yeah. they've never seen the educational potential of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then third, a lot of schools just don't have the conversation with the students about what's expected of them in lessons. Yeah, um, yeah. And and this I suppose stops it going down the route of trying to technically manage everything. So instead of trying to lock the device down or um, you know admin it or have the technical team be able to to log in and you know view what's going on in it. It just simply puts that responsibility on at the front end of the students. Yeah, and I think again, looking you know historically at sort of schools I've worked worked in and worked with is the temptation to remove the temptation to do wrong by the students. So they they yeah as you say they lock everything down. So messaging and chat you know websites are blocked. But for me that that's like a massive um, kind of lesson or a massive piece of education that's missed out mm-hmm. and then what happens then is a year down the line students aren't really taught how to do that there's some issue with bullying or something similar on Facebook that then comes back into school and takes up the pastoral side you know loads of time with investigation and all that kind of stuff um, the, with the Aberbane thing you know we, we found that you know um, the initial kind of um, meeting that, that was had between the school the, the students and the parents was a massive uptake. Was it like something over ninety percent? Yeah. So these guys had said um, they typically struggled around the sort of sixty percent mark uh, for parental engagement, hadn't they? So yeah, yeah. probably quite similar to what most schools have. I mean, they were a little bit unique in the fact that the school bought the devices, didn't they? Yeah. And then they were allowing the students to take them home, which yeah. um, I think that's a very good idea. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a later episode. But they caveated it with the, the fact that the parents had to come in and they had to sit through this presentation that outlined the vision and what was expected. And then with their son or daughter, they had to go through the process of, me of um, reading and signing the acceptable user policy. But also, importantly, the, uh, the Apple ID issue. Yeah, yeah. And that's one that sometimes schools miss out that anyone under 14 shouldn't have an Apple ID. That's yeah, right, yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I think um, I mean, we have to again just go into this in more detail later. But there's there's new ways in, of of doing that. But the essential thing I think with that kind of a, it was like almost like a, an open evening come assembly mm-hmm. um, that they did. With that, it, the, the key was there's three parties are in the room at the same time because again we've we've seen this before where 
you know, first day of term when students turn up, they're taken to an assembly hall and the reseller who sold the devices would be there and then the person who's in charge of the project and then all the students and then they get the iPads handed out and they get maybe a little bit of training, a little bit of information and then what happens then is that that iPad goes home but parents haven't been consulted at that or, you know, and then you have that problem. With everyone in the same room at the same time, they all had the same training, they were all aware. And what was really cool about the Abbott Bain stuff was when we were sort of sat back watching it, um, you know, in the room watching how it was working, is actually students were helping their parents with the sign up and showing them where mm. the keyboard shortcuts were. Yeah. So again, it was showing the parents that actually the, the child knew quite a bit yeah. and also showing the school that the parents didn't know that much. So, yeah, that's, that's quite yeah, a nice way of doing it. I've done a few of these um, parental engagement evenings and I think there's... You know, some uh, a phenomenon where a lot of parents don't see the value in tech, and it's mainly because they want their sons or daughters taught in the manner that they were taught. Yep. Which you yeah, know, yeah. maybe 15, 20, 25 years ago now. Um, so I think it's it's very important to have that conversation. Thinking back to some of the evenings I've done, and um, they've gone disastrously badly. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the when the the school makes the decision and then they push it out, schools often find that they're quite surprised that you know parents more often than not they don't want their kids using iPads you know every hour of the day that they're worried about screen time they're yeah. worried about game yeah. playing yeah. e-safety social media these are all big concerns that you know schools if they don't consult the parental group they might not sort of understand stumble upon and answer and if they don't answer those or at least satisfy them before launching these schemes I think that's where sometimes they run into trouble yeah yeah no definitely yeah um, yeah I think that the the one with the Albert Bain, you know, the the iPassport thing with that. The other the other angle to that then is once you once they've done the the parental engagement element to it, the the devices are there. The other part that was kind of done first really was all the curriculum development. Yeah. So Gavin actually had formed a team or part of a, a curriculum development team that then sat down and produced um, a kind of well an iPassport course that ran over two weeks. And it was just done. Those teachers just delivered that with those students to get that um, to get that through. He did various little tests with Socrative and Edmodo, so the evidence was recorded. Then students had a little certificate. I think this year, what I would certainly would like to do, get my kind of colouring book out again and sort of get into the design, is actually then the students having the badge, you know, having those kind of elements yeah. to it. So it's like game. It's almost like uh, game based learning. Yeah, game based learning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, as they go through the competencies. Yeah. The, the thing that most impressed me about that that I didn't realise at the time was uh, after speaking to Gavin afterwards and how he designed it was the, the methodology behind why he did it and it's positive and negative reinforcement. Yeah. So a lot of acceptable user policies in school, the child will read it, you know, they, under, they, they sign it and they agree to these things and then what that allows the school to do is that, you know, when the child's caught, you know, playing on games or on social media or doing something that the school doesn't want them doing, they're then given a consequence so the device yeah. is taken off them they put the tension or the parents are called in yeah. so all very negative reinforcement there with the iPassport scheme you flipped that on its head so the key was that the students couldn't take the device home until they completed it and at the, the quickest it took two weeks to complete yeah. so in those two weeks it meant the students were you know working towards a positive goal so it was reinforcing the you know the actions that the school wanted the students to carry out in lessons over yeah. a prolonged period of time. And then from what I know, so behaviour management has almost been a non-issue in the school afterwards because 
you know, the students who have taken those devices home, they understand and they've acted out the way that they're expected yeah. to use the devices. Yeah, yeah. The students who didn't complete it within the first two weeks, you know, they, those guys didn't get the devices and then very quickly they sort of followed suit and then began, you know, acting as what was expected yeah. of them. Yeah, it's an interesting one because there was a point, I think we had a, a discussion in one meeting I had with Gavin and he was saying about the sort of year 10s and year 11s getting them and sixth forms getting them. Mm. But of course, because they'd gone through a system where that they'd had those rigorous those rules put in place, it wasn't the same. It was a completely different approach. Yeah. Um, and the students, you know, weren't really with it. Whereas with the year sevens, that wave now will go through the school. Um, yeah, and that, uh, some good stuff's going to come from that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds good. So what we can do um, in the description link, we'll put the links to the Digital Lead Network. So yeah. that's a great place to get started yeah, do um, and find all those resources about you know, how you develop digital leader teams and also network with other schools and educators who, who've done it already. Um, we'll put the links in there for the Abervain project because I know Gavin is blogging about that and his experiences and, and also the pupils yeah. uh, putting work up there. Yeah, we'll, get, we'll stick his web, uh, WordPress uh, site up there. That'd be good. And he's the Abbott Bain um, school site as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that. I think from my... Yeah, that pretty much covers up everything I've got here. Anything else you want to add, James? No, I think, I think that's good. Um, so I think the only thing then is to thank everybody for listening yeah, on the podcast, watching on the video. Um, and... Uh, where can they find us so where can they find you brilliant if you want to find me on twitter and carry on the conversation I'm at LearnMakerJ and I'm the LearnMaker so um, I'm the LearnMaker if you're listening on podcasts and not on YouTube um, you can join the conversation by jumping onto Facebook so facebook.com forward slash LearnMakerUK um, we'd love to hear your comments feedbacks you know. yeah if you are using digital leaders in your school or doing anything similar then yeah please get in touch let us know we, we really want to hear your experiences with this Cool, fantastic. Until next time. Take care. See ya. Thanks for listening to the LearnMaker podcast at learnmaker.co.uk.